What is up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I say the Wednesday edition and the midweek edition as if the last episode didn't just come out earlier this morning. Some technical difficulties. So the Tuesday episode comes out on the Wednesday episode, and now the Wednesday episode's coming out on Wednesday too. So here we are, but still fired up for this one today. Was cranking some rancid coming into this one. Yes, Ruby Soho has me very much hooked on the song, that Ruby Soho. Um, so, yes, very excited about that. So, fired up for the show today. It is part two of our NFL previews. We get to the win totals of the NFC, plus a couple of props that caught my attention. Nothing too out there. Thought about going with some, like, real out there ones, but I... Yeah gotta be right too right so looking forward to this one today if you want to get in contact with the show which is me i'm at primetime klein on twitter and instagram twitch.tv slash primetime pk you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com shout out to waste talent for the music gonna get into the nfl stuff but first do want to chat about the toronto blue jays as they come up with another win last night over the new york yankees by the time you're hearing this the next game will probably be coming up but Regardless, this has been quite the stretch for the Blue Jays, and one of the reasons why, in the early part of the season, I was still confident that this was a team that could get them back on, or that that could, this was a team that could get into the playoffs, excuse me, is because of the late season schedule. They had some games against some easy teams. The problem was that when they played those easy teams, they lost, and that's where my confidence started to waver a little bit. It's like, well... Like, that was their chance to, to make up this ground, because now you go into a stretch against the White Sox, you go up against Oakland, you got some games against the Yankees coming up, that starts to concern you a little bit. I'd say they've almost made up for some of those blown games. Probably not all of them, but the eight-run comeback against the Oakland A's, and then beating Garrett Cole with Steven Matz the other night, you are starting to now win games that you weren't expecting to win after losing games that you were definitely expected to win. I... I, I'm, I'm not at the point where it's like, oh yeah, this Jays team is going to rocket up the standings and they're going to be in the playoffs and there you go. But we are seeing in this Yankee series that there are flaws with this Yankee team. And we haven't even seen the biggest flaw of the Yankee team yet. We, we've just seen their strength struggle for a couple of games. The biggest flaw is still the ninth inning. This team has no idea what they are doing when they get into the bullpen. Um, and specifically, I mean, they don't know what any of their guys are going to do on a night-in, night-out basis. Aroldis Chapman was the most sure thing coming out of the bullpen for the longest time, and now that's not it. And Loisaga was kind of that, and then he gets banged up. Britain's hurt. Like, they they have they have some issues in that bullpen that I don't think are very conducive to getting things done when it comes to October baseball. The issue being, if you play them in a one-game playoff, they can throw some of their starters out there, and maybe they feel a little bit better. The Garrett Cole injury is obviously the main one, as they need him healthy for a potential one-game playoff, and then if they get further than that, a series against the Tampa Bay Rays. But for Toronto, to be doing this with essentially no George Springer has been a great sight to see. And one of the, the talking points about this Blue Jays team during that skid in the, uh, the the beginning and middle of August was, I guess it was more mid to late August. Either way, in August, um, was while these guys are wearing down. Doesn't look like they're worn down now. Um, and... Again, like looking at who they're battling with, just the teams ahead of them, because Seattle can obviously still catch up with them. Oakland can still catch up with them. We've talked about how I'm not scared of Seattle, and I am a little bit more scared of Oakland, but not all the way there. But 
when you look at the teams ahead of them, like the Yankees, we just talked about the flaws they have, and the Red Sox, I have viewed all season as a flawed team that was playing a little bit over their skis a little bit, and <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, but you like offensively, they have a lot of firepower, but the pitching staff is just not good enough. And I, I look at the Blue Jays as a team that can match firepower with any team, and those are the strengths of the, the Yankees and of the Red Sox. And now all of a sudden, starting pitching, I think you give the edge to Toronto. Bullpen, who knows? All of it is a crapshoot, right? We, we've seen the Blue Jays' bullpen have some major issues this season. I am by no means suggesting that is a strength, although getting Nate Pearson going has been a, a nice sight for the Blue Jays, and now they're getting healthy at the right time, right? Like Merriweather's potentially coming back. Barucki is feeling a little bit better. All of a sudden, you have some pieces that you can fit in with that bullpen that you feel a little bit more comfortable with. So it is a very good time to be a Blue Jays fan, and that is regardless of what the outcome of the game uh, tonight is. Alec Manoa has been a bright spot, but there have been times where he's just lost it a little bit, and so you hope that he can keep that focus going into the game against the Yankees today. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Into the NFC we go with our NFL previews. Uh, again, if you've missed anything, it, the, it's been really weird uploading podcasts the last couple of days. I don't know what's going on, but uh, hopefully it, the, the, there was a problem on Tuesday where I just kept getting the loading wheel the whole time. And I I was a little bit concerned, like, what am I going to do to fix this? Am I going to have to, do, everything is just on Twitch and YouTube now. How are we, how are we going to manage this? And then the problem just kind of fixed itself. So I don't know if it fully fixed itself or if it just kind of fixed itself. Either way, podcast was up. If you've missed anything, AFC previews on the last podcast. Before that, we've had a couple of real good fantasy breakdowns with Christopher Harris from harrisfootball.com and Matt Marchese from that television network that I don't like to talk about. So uh, a couple of guys that you can, uh, ch- or a couple of, podcast episodes you can check out if you still have some last minute football cramming to do. So let's get to it. NFC breakdown. If you missed it yesterday, go through the over under totals for every team and then figure out how the playoffs are going to be. And I'm not suggesting you take the bets on all of these, by the way, I'm not saying you make 32 individual over under bets. That would be a little insane. I mean, if you want to give her, man, I don't care. It's your money. Um, I wonder what the, I am going to track this throughout the season and see what our win rate would be if we did go all 32. There's going to be a couple at the end that I'm going to be like, okay, these are the ones that I'm the most confident in. Let's roll with those. And those are going to be the ones we really check, uh, track Sorry, on the show throughout the season. We wrapped up with the super hot take of the Kansas City Chiefs winning the AFC in a victory over the Buffalo Bills in the conference championship. So those are the hot takes that you come here for. Let's start in the... Uh, well, we're, we're going in alphabetical order. So we're starting with A, but we are starting in the NFC West, which is going to be a conference that I am very excited to talk about today. And we start with the Arizona Cardinals. Their total comes in at seven and a half. They have the ninth toughest schedule in the National Football League. I feel like if you go over the seven and a half, you are entirely banking on best case scenario for this team. Like the defense, you have J.J. Watt, he turns in, he, or he, yeah, turns into the beast of old. You have A.J. Green finds something uh, renewed with this team. Kyler Murray stays healthy. Kyle King, or sorry, Cliff Kingsbury, not the former UFC fighter Kyle Kingsbury, uh, Burry. 
uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, all of a sudden turns into a competent NFL coach, and this team rides off to the promised land. I, I, I just don't think this team gets there. I think Kyler Murray's incredibly talented. I have him in fantasy football this year. I think he is going to be good. One thing that concerns me with him is that they were below average passing on third down, and... This was also a team, when you think of them, you think of how efficiently they can run the ball and how effectively they can run the ball. They were 28th in the NFL in explosive run defense. So they can run the ball fine, but they're not stopping anyone from running the ball. And when you uh, combine those two things where you're not having success passing the ball on third down, and then you're giving a big place to the opponent's in the run game, it's tough to make comebacks in that. And that might be me overthinking things uh, a little bit, but I, I do, I, I just worry about this team being able to take a next step. And again, my concerns about Kyler Murray not are not from a fantasy perspective. I think points-wise, he's going to put up a bunch of those. But in the first nine games last season, he had 14 completions of 20-plus yards. In the last seven, he had six of them. He was dealing with an injury, so maybe that course corrects a little bit. I, I still like the under here on Arizona. Not by a ton, but the, one of the main things that goes against them, this division is incredibly hard this year. So I, I'm going with the under uh, 7.5 for Arizona on that one. I'm writing all of these down and my pen's not working and you definitely didn't need to know that, but I said it anyway. The Atlanta Falcons come in at a win total of six and a half in the first year of coaching for Arthur Smith. They have a relatively average strength of schedule. We know the issues that Atlanta had last season. They led at the half in nine games and lost four of those. And just in total, they had 13 games where they had a lead, and again, four wins out of that. Like, it, it's just, it, it is tough to wrap your head around when you look at how bad this Atlanta Falcons team has been, or was last year in terms of the luck category, and just holding on to that lead. Um, and the big issue, when you have that, you want to be able to run the ball, they were uh, they had 41% of their runs graded as successful. I don't think Mike Davis is really the thing that fixes that. So while the passing game, I don't think takes much of a step back with Julio Jones leaving, Kyle Pitts coming in, Matt Ryan in a new system with Arthur Smith. I just, I don't know if Mike Davis is going to be the one to help them put games away. So that definitely concerns me. This is still a passing offense thing that, that can put up yards. They had trouble putting up points last year. They were ninth best in the explosive passing department, but only 20th in red zone offense. You wonder if the, the upgrade at tight end helps, but again, no Julio Jones, who's never been a big red zone dude anyway, but still, you wonder how much that hinders things a little bit. And then the Julio Jones factor just for the entire offense. Um, Julio was not at the peak of his powers last season, but even with that, Matt Ryan was fourth in yards per dropback with Julio, 28th in the NFL in yards per dropback without Julio Jones. Also, by the way, most of these stats coming from uh, the Warren Sharp gambling playbook. It's his season preview. Incredibly extensive research done in that 436, I believe, page document. It's a lot. Um, so a lot of the numbers coming from that one. So thank you to those guys for the information. I, I, I'm i going under for Atlanta on the, the six and a half. Six and a half seems like a good number. And six and 11, I don't know. It does kind of feel like they should probably be better than that. But I, I just, talking through it, I know I went through the schedule and got them to 9-8, and eight, but 
I don't know. That, that, that kind of feels like a best-case scenario. I'm going to go under the 6.5 for the Atlanta Falcons, but that feels like one that by week three, I'm absolutely going to be regretting. We'll stay in the NFC South, and if those wins aren't going to Atlanta, they might be going to Carolina. Their win total is at 7.5. Matt Rule is in there as the head coach. Joe Brady in as the offensive coordinator. 13th easiest schedule in the National Football League for the Carolina Panthers. Two of the last three games that they play this upcoming season are against Tampa Bay. That scares me a little bit, but also you wonder if Tampa Bay is going to have things maybe wrapped up a little bit, and maybe that's going to help Carolina in terms of picking up a couple of extra wins at the end of the season. A couple of things, and this is not a ton of stats to back this up, although we'll get into some. This is just a feel one for me. I like Carolina this season. I think Sam Darnold coming off of Adam Gase, we have seen the success of players go, getting away from Adam Gase. Ryan Tannehill, the most obvious example. I, I think you look at some of the athleticism plays that Sam Darnold was able to make with the Jets and was kind of forced to make with the Jets, and you put him in a competent offensive system, which... This is another one I'm believing in the coach as well. Matt Rule coming out of Baylor. I think he is someone who can put together a pretty good offensive game plan around Sam Darnold and just be able to do things offensively they weren't able to do with Teddy Bridgewater. You give Darnold the best, one of the best weapons he has had, probably the best weapon he has had in Christian McCaffrey. You team him up with Robbie Anderson once again, the easily best receiver that he had with the New York Jets, and you can start to see where this offense can put things together. Sam Darnold also had to run for his life when he was playing for the Jets. Uh, O-line ranks in, uh, I believe this is from Pro Football Focus, in his time with the Jets. Just looking at the last two seasons, uh, second worst in the NFL in 2019, 11th worst in the NFL in the 2020 season. This was not a team that protected their quarterback very well. And the number that you can point out to kind of counter that is that Darnold had a negative EPA, which is expected points added. The explanation for that is on the last podcast. Um from clean pockets, one of three quarterbacks in the NFL to have that. So you can certainly say, well, this guy wasn't good even when his offensive line was protecting him. My counter to that is when you have a quarterback who has a bad offensive line, he's generally not expecting that offensive line to hold up. It's not like by week 10, he's not surprised. Oh, wow, they got through again? Generally, a quarterback is aware how bad his offensive line is. And so I think he was a little bit spooked there. So I... I think that Sam Darnold is going to have a big year. And because of that, I think Carolina is going to have a big year. I like the addition of Hassan Reddick on that defensive line. It was a defense that struggled last season, but they face a schedule that projects to rank 21st in efficiency in terms of offenses faced. The The schedule, they get the AFC East, which, or sorry, the, the NFC East, which helps out a lot when you're looking at the win total. They do get the AFC East, which as we talked about yesterday, I'm not as high on a couple of teams in that division as I am a couple of others, but I, I still think that this is a team that can get to that total. They went 3-8 and eight in one-score games last season, even against the second-toughest schedule in the league. Give me the over on Carolina, and this is a sneaky potential playoff team. Um, in the Carolina Hur uh, Hurricanes, she's in the Carolina Panthers. So I like the over on Carolina. Chicago, the total is at seven and a half. Matt Nagy probably coaching for his job. He will not like that he's going to be coaching against the sixth hardest schedule in the league. And when you look at trying to 
sneak out a couple of wins. You like to play your toughest opponents at home. Their road schedule is insane. They are at the Rams, Cleveland, Tampa Bay. Obviously, they have road games against Green Bay and Minnesota. They're also in Seattle. So it just feels like it's stacking up against the Chicago Bears this season. They schedule a, or they face, sorry, a schedule of offenses projected to rank second in efficiency in the NFL this season. The strength of this team is the defense. And I was saying last year, if you just get average quarterback play, which I certainly don't believe they got from Mitch Trubisky, and I don't even think they got from Nick Foles, that the weapons around whoever the quarterback will be could be good enough to get this team into the playoffs. But when you look at the schedule that they face and those road games that they have, Andy Dalton's probably going to get killed in the first game against the Rams. They play Cincinnati in the next week. I would imagine Dalton plays in that one too. And that's where you start to get a little bit concerned about things because that's one you should win, but we never know with Andy Dalton. The sooner they get Justin Fields in, the better. I don't feel fantastic about like seven fields excuse me, seven feels like right around where it should be. Like this just kind of feels like a seven and 10 team. I am going to take the under though, just based off of that schedule that we went through. So I'm going under seven and a half for the Chicago Bears. Dallas Cowboys at nine and a half with Mike McCarthy somehow still their head coach. They have the sixth easiest schedule in the NFL this season. Uh, And again, when I'm listing these off, these are based off of projected win totals from Vegas. So instead of just, oh, well, this is how those teams did last year. That's an antiquated way of looking at it. And I feel silly that I ever did. Looking at it from the Vegas win total perspective, I I think is a a much more, it's not perfect because, and there's never going to be a perfect way to project these things. Uh, Otherwise, you know, people who own casinos in Vegas wouldn't live in billion dollar mansions. Um, But I I think it's a good way to look at strength of schedule. Dallas has the sixth easiest one, and they obviously understood the issues they had last season. This was a defense that couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, They used their first six picks in the draft on defense, a defense that was 25th in EPA allowed last season. They are scheduled to face those six quarterbacks that were in the top 10 in EPA a season ago. Dak Prescott coming back is the big thing. You can't, you basically can't look at any of the offensive stats last season because Dak Prescott was gone. Case in point, Zeke Elliott, without Dak Prescott in the red zone, his carries were only 39% successful. That is a big problem. That is supposed to be where Zeke is going, but I would not have trusted or if I'm a defense, I'm not caring what any of those quarterbacks were doing in Dallas in the red zone. I'm focused on stopping Zeke Elliott. You wonder how much Dak Prescott can affect things, but this defense was just so bad. And quite frankly, I am not a Mike McCarthy fan. I don't see this being a 10 and 7 team. I think this is another year under 500 for the Dallas Cowboys, which will lead to a lot of questions this offseason, but I'm going under nine and a half for the Dallas Cowboys. Don't need to do a lot of analysis on this one. The Detroit Lions, the win total is at five. They have the seventh easiest schedule in the league. I don't care. They are bad. I think Jared Goff is bad. I I don't think he has any weapons around him. I think DeAndre Swift is going to get killed this year. In in fantasy, I think he still is able to produce because there's not a whole lot of weapons around him, but you you just kind of hope for safety for him for this season. Yeah, the the five, give me the under on that one all day. We don't need to spend a lot of time on Detroit. I'm going to go under five with the Lions. Staying in their division, it is the Green Bay Packers. The projected win total is at 10. Matt LaFleur is the coach, and at least for one more season, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. They have the 17th easiest schedule in the league. So 
fairly average is what we are getting at with this one. Um, again, it feels like there's not a lot of analysis that is needed for this team. When you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance to win a championship, and you certainly have a chance to win this division. I'm just going to put the star by them now. There is no way this is a team that is not winning their division in the NFC North. They face the NFC West, which is a problem, and they face the AFC North which is a problem, but I just, I, I can't imagine this Packers team finishing at nine and eight like that. That's just not in the realm of possibility. 10 and seven, maybe, but I, I think they are in the upper tier in the NFC, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers. He's just so good. Like 63% successful on passes on first down. Um, the offensive line does take a bit of a hit. Like the, the a lot of the things that you can look at with this team don't necessarily point towards a championship winning team. I think that comes up more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers over the total of 10. Keep it rolling with the upper class of the NFC, the LA Rams. Their total sits at 10 and a half. They have the 10th hardest schedule in the league. One thing that was really surprising when looking up this team, they actually on average trailed by 0.4 points per game at the half this season, or th this last season. This is another one where I think a lot of the numbers can get thrown out. You look at how ineffective their offense was last season, um, averaging 0 0.05 EPA per attempt on play action. The NFL average is 0 0.11 EPA uh, per play attempt. McVeigh loves play action, so the fact that Goff was below league average by quite an alarming rate is, I think, one of the reasons why this team had some of the struggles that they did. 45% um, of Jared Goff's passes, or sorry, 45% uh, of Jared Goff's yards came through the air, which was 40th in the NFL. You were relying on a lot of very talented players to kind of make up for the deficiencies that Jared Goff has. Matthew Stafford, while not the best quarterback in the league, he's better than Jared Goff. And I think that when you add him to this offense, A, Sean McVay is able to be a little bit more creative, and B, you're just able to get more out of the weapons that you have with the LA Rams. I think that the quarterback upgrade is massive. I think this defense was in the top, uh, I think this defense is very, very good. I know this defense was in the top half in everything when it comes to the defensive metrics. They will face the fourth schedule in turn, or the fourth toughest schedule in terms of offensive efficiency this upcoming season, but I just think the upgrade at quarterback is enough. The 10 and a half, I love the over on this for the Rams. Give me LA over 10 and a half. The Minnesota Vikings, the win total sits at nine. Mike Zimmer is their head coach. They are right around league average with the 15th hardest schedule in the league. The defense really struggled last season. This upcoming season, they face a schedule that projects to rank 10th in terms of offensive efficiency, but they add Daniil Hunter. They add Anthony Barr. Eric Kendricks, they, they add those guys back after missing all of last season. This, this was a team, a lot of people talk about New England and the players that they didn't have for this upcoming season. It kind of felt like, to me anyway, it felt like it was a wash season for the Minnesota Vikings last year because of the players that they were missing out on on the defensive side of the ball. The thing that scares me about this win total, again, we talked about this with the Packers, this year they faced the NFC West and the AFC North. That is a very big problem. Um, th those are, again, two of the best divisions in the NFL. You do add to, again, that struggling defense, Patrick Peterson and Brashad Breland. 
I always get a little nervous about adding veteran corners who were good a couple of years ago. You just wonder how much of a step they may have lost. But just being veterans around a pretty young secondary from a year ago, I think that could help them a bit. The, the main issue and the way this team is going to go is on the offense. If Kirk Cousins can step up and actually win some games for them, then this team's going to be fine. But he's just never been that guy. I like the weapons around, like Dalvin Cook is a superstar, and Jefferson was a beast last year. You worry about a, A, teams are aware of Jefferson now, B, you worry about a decline for Adam Thielen. So for the third time in this division, I'm going under the total of nine with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I don't think it's going to be much under, but I'm going under with Minnesota. New Orleans, their total sits at nine. Sean Payton is the head coach. Drew Brees is no longer the quarterback. It is now Jameis Winston, at least for now. Uh, They have the fourth hardest schedule in the NFL. The reason for optimism with this total for New Orleans is A, the defense finished in the top half in essentially every metric last season, except for red zone defense, which can be a little bit fluky at times. They get the uh, NFC East, which as we will discuss and have already discussed, not necessarily the strongest strongest division in the conference. So that goes in their favor. The thing that concerns me now, we're getting into the cons part of the, the New Orleans conversation. Last four seasons, Drew Brees threw 23 interceptions. 2019, Jameis Winston threw 30. That's a lot. That's a big difference. And now you have no Michael Thomas for the first five weeks of the season. And on the defensive side, they lose Malcolm Brown, Trey Hendricks, Janoris Jenkins, and Quan Alexander. So you tell me a team loses... Their franchise quarterback, who admittedly was not a superstar the last couple of years and might have even been a hindrance to this team last year, but for what they needed him to do, I think better than Jameis Winston, they lose Michael Thomas, you lose some studs on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm supposed to take you seriously? I just can't. I'm going under with New Orleans uh, at nine. The New York Giants, their win total sits at seven and a half. Joe Judge is the head coach. More specifically for the argument I'm going to make against the Giants is that Jason Garrett is their head coach and Daniel Jones is their quarterback. I can't believe this total is at seven and a half. I I don't think Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback. I am certain Jason Garrett is not a good offensive coordinator. I think this offensive line Still has some issues. They didn't draft an offensive lineman. The only free agent signing they had was Zach Fulton. They do get Nate Solder back from uh, opting out for COVID, but the offensive line ranked 31st in pro football focus in terms of pass blocking efficiency and 21st in line adjusted yards in the run game. They only had one offensive lineman in the top 130 for PFF. This is not a good offensive line protecting a not very good quarterback. A, Saquon Barkley's going to get killed again. And if that happens, there's just not enough weapons on this team to do anything with it. So I very much love under 7.5 on the New York Giants this year. The Philadelphia Eagles are one of the interesting teams. Nick Sirianni is the head coach. They have the third easiest schedule in the league and second easiest schedule of offenses in terms of projected efficiency. So those are the positives for this team. But again, the negatives, according to PFF, Jalen Hurts had the sixth highest turnover worthy throw percentage in the National Football League. This six and a half 
all comes down to what you think of Jalen Hurts. If you think he is a good quarterback, then you are going to think that he is going to step up and lead this team to the promised land. If you think he is a bad quarterback, then this is a team that's going to be in the bottom. And again, I feel like I'm going under on too many of these today, but I'm going under six and a half with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we got an overcoming. Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers, they come in with a win total at 10 and a half. The thing that surprises me the most about this San Francisco 49ers team, I think they've been run tremendously with John Lynch up in the uh, the box as the general manager, Kyle Shanahan, offensive genius as a coach. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's 29 and 35 with San Francisco. That number blew me away. They face... A very good schedule, though. And by that, I mean a very easy schedule. They have the easiest schedule project in terms of projected win totals in the National Football League. They face the NFC North, which I went under on three teams on, and the AFC South, which I went under on three teams on. So just based off of schedule alone, I think they're going to be able to take advantage of it. And then when you dive a little bit deeper into the numbers, they face a schedule of defenses projected to rank 19th in efficiency, 30th in explosive pass defense, 29th in running back defense, uh, running back pass defensive efficiency. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to absolutely slaughter the defenses that he has to face this season. And then again, you're facing a very difficult uh, division in the NFC West, like in your own division. But I think that's going to be fine. I think San Francisco wins this division. Um, I'm going over 10 and a half for the San Francisco 49ers. The Seattle Seahawks, their win total is at nine and a half. Pete Carroll is the head coach. They have the eighth easiest schedule in the league. Numbers aren't going to, to really do justice to this conversation about Seattle. We all know the issues with Seattle. They have a franchise quarterback and run the ball too much and have a defense that isn't very good. So they try to protect that defense by running the ball a whole lot and neutering the offense. Now, there were some times where it was just let Russ cook and he burned them. Um, pardon the, the horrible puns, but there were times where he wasn't spectacular and they, they probably should have eased up a little bit, but they eased up too much to bail out that defense. If that happens again, this team's not making the playoffs. And I just look at the, the rest of their division, like against the Rams, I think the Rams kill them. And against San Francisco, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to just annihilate this defense. So I'm I'm going under nine and a half, um, which hurts me because Russell Wilson is one of my favorite players to, uh, to, to watch. That Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks team was one of my favorite teams to watch back when they were doing their thing. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Seattle, but not soft enough to go over nine and a half. The Tampa Bay Bucks come in with a win total of 11 and a half. Bruce Arians is back as their head coach. And when we look at continuity for football teams, this is now the new gold standard. Every starter is returning from the team that won the Super Bowl, and they have the fifth easiest schedule in the league. You look at how this team started, and they got off to a very slow, or not a very slow start, but per expectations, they got off to a very slow start. I believe they were six and five, and then go on a, a five-game winning streak, and that was because Tom Brady got more comfortable in the offense. And you look at how they were able to adjust late in the season. In the first half of games on first town, Tom Brady threw 61% of the time in the last three games compared to 48% of the time in all the other ones in the previous uh, part of the season. That is a co uh, a confident quarterback more 
more comfortable in the offense. He now has a full offseason with the, all the weapons still around him to continue to get more acclimated to things. The only thing that would concern you about this team is if there is some form of a Super Bowl hangover. If they had any other quarterback, I'd be worried about that. But Tom Brady cares not about your Super Bowl hangovers. So I 11.5 is the biggest number out there, I believe. And I'm going over on it. I, I think Tampa Bay crushes this season. Um, maybe not to the tune of San Francisco, but I, I this team certainly wins this division and bucks their ticket to the postseason. We have one left, and that is the football team out in Washington. Their win total is at eight and a half. Ron Rivera returns as the quarterback, or as, sorry, as the coach. They have the fifth hardest schedule in the league, and I've been unveiling the prediction later in the like at the end of all of these blurbs, I'm going at the beginning here. The total's at eight and a half. I'm going over on this one for Washington. And that's even with the fifth hardest schedule in the league. I think this defense is elite. I've been trying to get them in fantasy. Like I, I have even considered reaching on this defense. I think they are that good. And when you look at this win total for Washington, going into the last five weeks of the season, right? Last five? Yeah. If this is a team that is even hovering around 500, so 12 games played, if they are at 6-6, six and six, this is going to be fantastic. But even if they're a couple of games away from this win total, so if I'm, if I'm at four wins through the first 12 weeks of the season, or I guess 13 weeks, 12 games, but that would put me at 4-8, and eight, which is not ideal, but they finish... Home to Dallas, at Philly, at Dallas, home Philly, at the Giants. I've already said I don't take the Eagles seriously. I don't take the Cowboys seriously, and I certainly don't take the Giants seriously. I think this is a Washington team that, even if they are hanging around 500, blows through that late-game schedule and wraps up this division. Washington to win the East. I like that one at over 8.5. So, we have now finished all of our over-under uh, totals here for the NFL season. Let's get into the playoffs. I have San Francisco winning the NFC in the regular season. Um, I have them as the one seed, so they get the bye into the divisional round. I like Tampa Bay as the two seed. We will go Green Bay as the three, which would mean Washington is the four. Other playoff teams that get in, the Rams very obviously get in. They will face Washington in the first round. And then after that, it's interesting. You have Minnesota, who could be hanging around. You have uh, Carolina, who you could have hanging around. You have Dallas, who could be hanging around. You have Seattle, who could be in that mix as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pencil Carolina in as the sixth seed. So they would face Green Bay in this. And then it's down to some of these teams. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Seattle. I know I just said they're going to go under on their win total. That would mean an under 500 team is getting in there. But based off of these win totals, that's how it was going to be anyway, as I picked a lot of unders on this one today. So mathematically, maybe all of these don't necessarily work out. So then my wild card matchups are Tampa Bay against Seattle, Green Bay, Carolina, and Washington against the Rams. Uh, I think Tampa Bay annihilates Seattle, so they get their spot as the two seed. Green Bay, that is where the fun ends for Carolina. Green Bay will pick up the win there, uh, so they will face Tampa Bay once again, and I like the Rams to beat Washington. And now this is where the projections get interesting, because 
I have San Francisco winning the NFC West. I have them losing to the Rams in the division round. I think the Rams are a better team. I think San Francisco benefits from the easier schedule. So regular season-wise, San Francisco finishes ahead of the Rams. Postseason-wise, I mean, we get McVay against Kyle Shanahan. Sign me up in the playoffs. I think the Rams pick up a win in that one. I think they face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the conference championship. And I think the LA Rams pick up a win in the NFC title game. They face the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl and Kansas City ends up winning that one. So my official Super Bowl prediction is Kansas City to win the Super Bowl over the LA Rams. So when we look at a couple of the other props that we are looking at, if this goes the way I think it's going to go, Patrick Mahomes, as I mess around with my notes, Patrick Mahomes is plus 450 to win the MVP right now. I'm just probably always going to bet Patrick, until he is in like the plus 100s or even in the negatives, um, I'm, I'm going to be betting Patrick Mahomes as the MVP. It just feels like the luck. And then certainly as offensive player of the year, he's at plus 650 right now. I like that one a lot. Another interesting one. If you think Seattle is going to be good this year, Russell Wilson's at plus 1400 right now as an MVP candidate. I think that's a sneaky good call if you think Seattle is going to be better than I think they are going to be this season. Um, for rushing yards leaders, I might get some pushback on this one, but I have Nick Chubb at plus 700. I think that this is a team that faces what we talked about yesterday. They face a schedule that looks like it can allow explosive run plays. Nick Chubb is an explosive runner. Pardon the graphic pun there. Um, I, I think that he can pick up the, the rushing win. And again, he is in a timeshare with Kareem Hunt. A, he's the better of the two backs, but also everyone is in a timeshare. And if they aren't, they're Mike Davis, who ain't winning the Russian title anyway. Uh, a couple of other ones that I found interesting. Uh, the Detroit Lions quarterback, Jared Goff, to finish with the most interceptions, plus 800. Jameis Winston's at plus 1,600. That's a real interesting one, but I feel like if he is getting into that leading the league in interceptions category, he's going to get pulled for Taysom Hill anyway. There's no one behind Jared Goff. So I, I think Goff has the runway to lead the league this year in interceptions. That's at plus 800. I like that one a lot. Going off of our over-under projections, I like San Francisco at plus 1,200 to have the most wins in the NFL this season. And a specific one that I like, I, I got some money on the Buffalo Bills to lose specifically in the AFC Championship game. That one, going to have to wait a while to see if that pays off, but I like that one at plus 450. In terms of some of our over-under bets that I'm actually going to lock in on this year, I'm liking Miami over nine. I like Buffalo over 10.5. I like New England under 9.5. I want to go Chargers over 9, but it just feels like everyone's on them. And so that that does kind of... No, you know what? I was saying all offseason, if they get any different kind of coach in there and improve that offensive line, they're going to be great. I think they had one of the best offseasons, so I will go with that. I, I like this Detroit under 5. I like this Carolina over seven and a half. I like San Francisco over ten and a half. I like the Giants under seven and a half, and I like Washington over eight and a half. So those are the ones that I'm going to be a little more focused on. Like we said, we just gave out 32 over under projections, but 
the, the ones that I'm actually going to maybe sprinkle a little bit on are those ones that we just went through. And I'll probably be a little bit more diplomatic, but those are the ones that I've highlighted to see how we're going to track this for the show this season. So there you go. That is our NFL preview for the 2021 season. Thank you very much for tuning in. The NFL previewing is not done, however. There is a game Thursday. We'll react to it on Friday, but then Friday, it's a pick per game. I have done this for the last couple of seasons on the or at my previous employer, and now I got free reign to do it here. So looking forward, we're going to go through every game. And again, it's going to be like this. I'm not saying lock in every one of these picks, but it's just, ah, it, it gun to my head if I had to make a pick on one of these games, that's how I'm going to go. Also, there'll be some fantasy advice and some daily fantasy stuff in there as well. So still a bunch of football talk coming up this week. Uh, also, probably going to have a, a hoping to have a chat with Girona about what we saw this weekend at AEW's All Out. But that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Tell your friends about the show. We're really trying to grow this thing. Um, the, the growth has been a little bit slower than I would have uh, liked it to be, but I am having the time of my life doing this stuff. So please rate, review, and subscribe wherever possible. Tell your friends about it. Uh, when I tweet these things out, retweet, like just any way you can help share things about this show. I want to get it to as broad an audience as possible and then we can start doing a few more fun things with this show uh, so please do that if you have any comments about the program at all send them my way on twitter and instagram i am at primetimecline twitch.tv slash primetimepk we put up most of our interviews on youtube when we're not having technical issues um just search couch potato diary on youtube i am also on youtube at primetimecline one. If you want to email the show, it is couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com and my general history podcast. We are delayed once again by a day. It is coming out tomorrow and it is another episode looking at some of the weirder landmarks across this planet. One more episode for this show this week. Talk to you guys on Friday. I'm out. <laughs>